Good morning, everyone. Welcome to worship today. Last Sunday, obviously, was Easter, and so in the weeks now after Easter, we see all of these things unfold for the Christian. What does what happened with Jesus mean now and do for the Christian going forward? We'll look at that today. Order of services found in the worship folder and on screen. Let's begin at this time with hymn 510. Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we Let us confess our sins to the Lord. Holy God, gracious Father, I am sinful by nature and have sinned against you in my thoughts, words, and actions. I have not loved you with my whole heart. I have not loved others as I should. I deserve your punishment both now and forever. But Jesus, my Savior, paid for my sins with his innocent suffering and death. Trusting in him, I pray. God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Gracious Father in heaven has been merciful to us. He sent his only son, Jesus Christ, who gave his life as the atoning sacrifice for the sins of the whole world. Therefore, as a called servant of Christ, and by his authority, I forgive you all your sins in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. Amen. 
For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the Church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. For this holy house and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Help, save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. disciples and took away their fears with your word of peace. Come to us also by word and sacrament and banish our fears with the comforting assurance of your abiding presence. For you live and reign with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Please be seated. First lesson this morning from Acts 5 serves as a basis for the sermon. The apostles performed many signs and wonders among the people, and all the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colony. That's a portion of the temple. Then the high priest and all his associates, who were members of the party of the Sadducees, were filled with jealousy. They arrested the apostles and put them in the public jail, but during the night an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. Go, stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell the people all about this new life. At daybreak, they entered the temple courts, as they had been told, and began to teach the people. When the high priest and his associates arrived, they called together the Sanhedrin, the full assembly of the elders of Israel, and sent to the jail for the apostles. But on arriving at the jail, the officers did not find them there. So they went back and reported, We found the jail securely locked with the guards standing at the doors, but when we opened them, we found no one inside. On hearing this report, the captain of the temple guard and the chief priest were at a loss, wondering what this might lead to. Then someone came and said, Look, the men you put in jail are standing in the temple courts teaching the people. At that, the captain went with his officers and brought the apostles. They did not use force because they feared that the people would stone them. The apostles were brought in and made to appear before the Sanhedrin to be questioned by the high priest. We gave you strict orders not to teach in this name, he said. Yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Peter and the other apostles replied, We must obey God rather than human beings. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead, whom you killed by hanging him on a cross. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior that he might bring Israel to repentance. And forgive their sins. We are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey Him. The Word of the Lord. Second lesson from Revelation chapter 1 emphasizes the confidence we have 
in the risen Christ. John, to the seven churches in the province of Asia, grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits before his throne and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and has made us to be a kingdom and priests to serve his God and Father, to him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Look, he's coming with the clouds and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all peoples on earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. I, John, your brother and companion in the sufferings and kingdom and patient endurance that are ours in Jesus, was on the island of Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. On the Lord's Day, that Sunday, I was in the Spirit, and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet, which said, Write on a scroll what you see, and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me, and when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And among the lampstands was someone like a son of man, dressed in a robe reaching down to his feet, and with a golden sash around his chest. The hair on his head was white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, and coming out of his mouth was a sharp, double-edged sword. His face was like the sun shining in all its brilliance. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead and now look. I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. The word of the Lord. Continue with the end.
Please stand for the gospel. From John chapter 20. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now Thomas, also called Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We've seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands? Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you've believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written, that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. The Gospel of the Lord. Please be seated for the next hymn.
Christ raised from the dead, fellow believers in him. The heart of the Christian is not hidden. The heart of the Christian is on full display every day for the world to see. You know what that is? It's Easter. That's the heart of the Christian. It's Jesus Christ raised from the dead. It's the power of God that raised a, a completely dead person from the ground in fulfillment of his promise that resonates with us that says this power is going to be at work for you too. And it fills the Christian with hope. This is not like a light switch kind of confidence that you turn on and off with the flip of a switch every day and you, you kind of have it. Or you, this is a constant. This is the constant of our faith. Easter. Well, the exact opposite is true. For an unbeliever who has no Easter at the center and core of their being, the heart can't display what's not there. A person can't put on display if Easter isn't at the center and the core. And you see these two divergent sides, one fully confident and at peace, and another completely unsettled in this back and forth tug of war in the episode between the disciples and the government that they were under. This lesson that we have before us, just for a, a little bit of time reference, this takes place, remember Pentecost is 50 days after the resurrection. This likely takes place about two months after. So maybe in the couple of weeks after Pentecost. The very government that the disciples were under was the very government that put Jesus to death. I want you to think about that. Because there are often a number of complaints about Boy, we, we just struggle with uh, a government that's not Christian today, potentially. They completely did not have a Christian government back then. They had one that believed in Judaism. And mind you, there are various factions within that government, all over the spectrum. You had some of those leaders in the Sanhedrin, is what the Jewish government was called. Some of those leaders were Sadducees that believed only in a portion of the Old, Old Testament. Some of them were Pharisees. Some of them were even from other political groups. You had some that were very political and not very spiritual. And you had others that were more spiritual and, and much less political. And so you've got this complete spectrum. But at the heart of the Jewish government was this belief that the Messiah who is coming would be an earthly king. The Messiah who is coming would conquer these wretched Romans and restore the lands to the area and vastness of Solomon during his kingship to the widest boundaries and borders and really the Jews would be the conquerors for all of the earth. They were looking forward to a physical king and a physical rule. And that sets the stage for a lot that happens. These Sadducees then were interested in Pharisees and the Jewish government was really interested in only themselves, not just their beliefs, but then now they started to put those into practice when they started to lose their authority and they started persecuting the disciples and Christians, which is the rub. What are Christians supposed to do back then? What were the leaders of the Christian church, the disciples, supposed to do under a government like that, under tension like that, under oppression like that? Were they supposed to run and hide? Were they supposed to get rebellious? Actually, they did their jobs. They gathered with fellow Christians and they proclaimed the word of God and they grew together in the word of God against all of that opposition. They publicly did these things. And look where they did these things. They gathered and they grew in the heart of Judaism, at the center of the government, in the seat of government in Jerusalem. They gathered at the very 
epicenter of their religion, which was at the temple in the colonnade of Solomon, which was a group of pillars that likely had a roof over it, and they gathered the people right there at the center of these things. And do you know what they taught? Jesus Christ raised from the dead. They taught Easter. Jesus Christ is a fulfillment of this temple. Jesus Christ is a fulfillment of these sacrifices that were still ongoing. Jesus Christ is a fulfillment of this Old Testament. And all of these things put together, his obedience accomplished everything Moses was talking about. And they taught this to the people over and over again. With confidence that came only from Easter, they were so bold to do these things and against such opposition. And you know what the Lord did for them? The Lord blessed their ministry. The Lord blessed their teaching. The Lord blessed them by supporting them with even miracles that validated what they were saying. And the Lord blessed them as they continued to grow and increase in numbers and people believed the message they were proclaiming. Look at the reaction, though, from the others. Then the high priest and his associates, who were members of the party of the Sadducees, were filled with jealousy. Now, the group of the Sadducees, they believed only in the first five books of the Old Testament. And they did not believe in a physical resurrection from the dead. And so as the message of Easter is getting out there, what do you think these members of the government who didn't believe in a physical resurrection are going to do when they hear a message about a physical resurrection is going out and people are believing this and they're losing their esteem and their clout among the people? Well, of course they're going to be envious and jealous. But that also goes to show what was at the root and center of their belief. If that's what somebody is, if that's what somebody's religion is built on, physical numbers, how many people gather, <laughs> how big the crowds are, if somebody's concerned about earthly numerics and rubrics for success, if somebody's only concerned about retaining their power by manipulating the Word of God and its teachings and what it says, or what they claim it says, and they're teaching things only to retain power for themselves, that's not a religion, that's a cult. And that's sticking people right back in the ground and in the grave. That has nothing to do with Easter whatsoever. And you know what God does to something like that? God exposes it by exposing what's at the heart of both sides in this story. Both the disciples as well as the governing officials. And so the governing officials act on their jealousy. They go and they arrest the disciples. They put them in the public prison. And who knows what the government had in mind to do to them in the rest of the story until somewhere in the night an angel from God comes and opens up the jail doors and unbeknownst to any of the guards that are there, lets them out. Listen to what is said here. It says, Go stand in the temple courts and tell the people all about this new life. What would you do? Would you go? Do you understand what the angel is saying to them? I want you to go right back to where you were, in the center of Judaism, at the center of the practice of Judaism at the temple, I want you to go stand right back in the same spot, in the exact same place, and I want you to go back and teach the exact same thing about this new life. I want you to go back and teach Easter and the resurrection from the dead. Would you do it? This could be your opportunity to get away. This could be your opportunity to go hightail it out of there because if they arrest you again, who knows what those consequences are going to be? This is not a friendly government. What do the disciples do? They go right back. They go right back to the same place, right back to the same position, and they go right back to teaching the exact same thing. And I want to point out to you something very small but significant from this lesson. 
Did you see the timing when they did it? At daybreak. So the angel wakes them up in their cells if they were sleeping in the night. So they didn't get a full night's sleep. If a miracle happens, likely they're going to be very, very excited because they see an angel and they're let out of prison and they realize they're not going to have to suffer whatever the government had in mind the next day. Maybe they even stayed up all night, but they don't wait till mid-morning, midday, mid-afternoon, or even wait till the evening. They go at daybreak. At the very time of day, Jesus himself rose from the dead. And they go stand before the people as they're all coming out and they proclaim Christ raised from the dead. Regardless of whatever the governmental consequences might be, what on earth changed in them that gave them that confidence? It's not just that they had boldness, it's that they had complete peace in what God had done for them in Jesus Christ. This really was the center of their heart. Not that they were careless, but they cared for what God had said and they carried it out for the sake of their ministry and for the sake of the people. Oh, the governing officials were at the complete opposite spectrum. <clears throat> the next morning, nobody's in the prison cells. They have no idea what's happened. All of their leaders are at a loss, is what the Bible text says. They finally figure it out by somebody else coming and telling them what's going on, that these leaders are now preaching back at the temple again, and that would set them off. And then finally, when they go down there to gather those disciples again, they are on their best behavior because the government is afraid. The government is afraid of being stoned by the people and the reaction from the people. And so they treat these disciples with utmost respect and they bring them before their assembly. So finally, God through the disciples gets to witness to Easter to these leaders, which is exactly what God wants to do. And here's what the disciples say. Here's the heart of the matter. Peter and the other apostles replied, we must obey God rather than human beings. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead, whom you killed by hanging him on a cross. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior, that he might bring Israel to repentance and forgive their sins. We are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. So why do you have confidence instead of envy and jealousy? Why do you have peace in place of fear? Our world today is very, very strange, isn't it? Their numbers are more than ours. Their power is certainly more than ours. The ability the world has today to oppress you and to oppress the Christian church is still way beyond even probably the power they had back then. How do you have confidence and peace in place of these things? It's because at the heart of the Christian, at your heart, is Easter. God raised Jesus from the dead. That's the core of our being. And that's what the disciples witnessed to this government. We must obey God rather than men. It's God first. God first raised Jesus from the dead. God first exalted Jesus to his right hand as prince. God exalted Jesus as savior. He is the first. Not you, not anybody else. What the government, what the Sadducees were doing back then is putting themselves first. They wanted their power. They were putting themselves first by ignoring this teaching. They were putting themselves first in their wants by ignoring these miracles that validated the teaching. Sometimes we do that too, don't we? In spite of knowing God raised Jesus from the dead, God fulfilled his promises. Oh, sometimes we like to put ourselves first and go dabble and meddle and go back to sin. 
And sometimes it's more than dabbling or meddling. Sometimes it's just full-fledged, isn't it? Careful, Christian. I know and you know Jesus can never die again. He rose from the dead. He will never ever suffer or die the way he did again. But what do you think our sin does to Jesus still today? Don't you think it kills him at his heart, which still beats today? Don't you think it crushes him to see his people who know better? To backslide and go back to deadly things and back to the grave? Well, absolutely. And when pastors point these things out to people, when the disciples pointed these things out to the governing officials back then, it was not simply to make them feel guilty and to make them feel bad, even though that's what the governing officials thought. You are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Well, actually, they were guilty of it. And so are we. It's our sin, too, that made him go to the cross. So why do the disciples and why do pastors today point out sin? Because it's not to leave the audience in their sin. It's to leave the audience to repent for it. So that God can bring you the goal of all of this work. So that God can bring you the goal of the temple. That God can bring you the goal of all the sacrifices. That God can bring you the goal of his Old Testament. And why he sent the Messiah, Jesus Christ. So that you would have forgiveness. So that all of your sins would be covered. So that just like John, who is still fearful in that second lesson we had today, as he saw the risen Lord Jesus and he fell at his knees as though dead again, that you would see the comfort of your risen Lord Jesus who places his hand on your shoulder. Just don't be afraid. That's the goal. Don't be afraid that you would be filled with confidence, that you would be filled with the peace of God that is rightfully yours by his resurrection. Because your sins are completely forgiven. Now mind you, these are the disciples talking, right? They're, they're, they're just fishermen. They're, they're just a bunch of people. They're a bunch of sinners themselves. This is just a pastor talking today who's really no different. Fishermen, at least in attempt this last week, just a sinful person. And too many times people hear these words and they say, those are just words. Those are just opinions. They're just your opinions. Well, yeah, this is a witness. This is a witness to the truth. But the disciples up the ante in their witness. They say, please keep in mind, this is not just us witnessing to you. This is the witness of the Holy Spirit. This is exactly what God the Holy Spirit is saying to you. This is exactly what God the Holy Spirit has given to you and placed inside of you through faith. He's brought Easter to your heart. Not so that you realize this is going to be a, a wonderful earthly kingdom that's going to go perfectly for God's Christian people. No, he's connected you to his holy Christian church. The kingdom of God, where you have God as your father, where you're connected to his son through faith, that you have confidence in your role in the family, that you have peace because you are connected to Jesus Christ and the forgiveness of sins. That's at the center. Let's go put that Easter heart on display in everything we do. Amen. Please stand. We join together in confessing our faith with the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, True God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father, through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven, 
was incarnate of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary and became truly human. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day, he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who in unity with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Heavenly Father, please cradle Teresa, Wayne, and Cora Zarlin and their relatives and keep them close to you and your promises. Teresa's mother lost her fight with cancer last week. Send your Holy Spirit through the word to witness Easter to them and let their hearts be filled with peace and confidence which only you can give. We also ask your blessing on the marriage of Rose Lindemann and Carl Haling which took place yesterday. Fill them with your love and bless them every day of their marriage. Continue to watch over Mr. Dice as he deliberates his call to Minnesota. And please ease the nerves of all the confirmation students this week as they enter into their last week of preparation. We also join to pray, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The Lord Jesus Christ, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Then he took the cup, gave thanks, and gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. And the peace of the Lord be with you always.